church. Kids up to the sixth grade can make your way to children's church. Do appreciate all the activities that go on this time of year. And even though there's uh, snowing outside, we don't want to skip Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a wonderful blessing, I hope, to you, um, if nothing else, something to bring into perspective what you truly can be thankful for. We are a blessed people. And um, I trust that as you walk through your relationship with Jesus Christ, that you are able to daily give thanks. It's a wonderful practice for you. It is appropriate for us once a year, though, to stop and to give thanks to God in a unique and special way, and I trust you will do that over the next week. Would you bow with me one more time as we ask for God's blessing on his word? Father, what we know not, teach us. What we are not, make us. We praise you for the time to open your word. We would ask God that we would be different for our time spent together now. And very clearly that the Holy Spirit would be working in hearts, doing what only he can do as our teacher. I would ask this time would be as free from distraction as possible. I would ask that very clearly you, our Father, would be exalted and your Son who gave his life for us would be remembered. We would remember what we have in Christ and that we, as we would look across the aisle or um, in front of us at brothers and sisters in Christ, would very much so grasp the incredible plan of what you've done in giving us a church. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I hope that you are able to have a catalog of memories that you can return to when you come across holidays. Maybe you have a favorite Thanksgiving memory. Maybe with Christmas coming up, you just have something in you that is a good memory. I know we have some family that's coming to town, and I was talking with Tina as uh, they've not been here before. We were saying, what can we do to create a great memory? What can we do to give them something that they'll never forget? Oftentimes, we remember something when it's attached to an emotion, and sometimes we remember something when it is attached to repetition. I can remember when I was a teenager, discovering something every Christmas season. It might not be something that you've experienced before, but it was my experience. It seemed like every Christmas season, something different, something new got done in my house. You see, when I was 17 years old, my stepdad, who built houses for 30 years, he built a house that we moved into. And as we moved into it, it was a wonderful home. It was very comfortable, but it wasn't completely done. And every year before the family would come over, something got done. There would be maybe a blank wall that would be filled with pictures right before everyone came over for Christmas. I remember one year there were new, um, they were coffee tables, but also footstools that got custom built and put in that spot. There were jobs that would get done every year. And I can remember about four years into it thinking, I wonder what's going to happen this year in the house as the Christmas season came upon us because my mother and my stepdad were always trying to improve. And I'll let you know, it wasn't just through Christmas. There was work that went on in that house up until about 20 years after they built it until the year they sold it. There was a, uh, a back porch door that stepped off about three and a half feet down that was made for a deck. And that deck did not get built until right before they put it up for sale. 
always work that was going on. As we look at today's message, I think this will be particularly helpful for individuals who have had the experience of observing a church. May observing a ch- maybe you're observing a church that you've been at two or three times, or perhaps observing a church for two or three decades, and you have seen something that seems incomplete in a church. Perhaps you look at something and you think that needs improvement. If you've had that experience, or perhaps if you're having that experience, I think this message will be particularly encouraging to you. I talked to a couple just not too long ago that used to be here at Calvary, and they've moved away. And they have said repeatedly what a hard time they are having finding a church. And then they go on and say, oh, what a great church Calvary was. It's impossible to find a church just like that one. And I think to myself, wow, that's a wonderful encouragement. And I wonder if they say that behind my back, too, is what I kind of wonder. It's a, it's a blessing to hear that. But I know where they've gone, and I'm confident that they'll be able to find a good church to get plugged into. Another friend of mine that I grew up with, they say, if we left the church where we're at, we'd have to drive over an hour to find a church. What he's saying is we'd have to drive past literally hundreds of churches outside of an hour of where we live to find one that we would go to. Now, as I look at this time today, I want you, and this is throughout this entire series that we're, as we're talking about the local church. We did it last week, we'll do it this week, um, and uh, we will focus on it next week as well, and then the week after the Christmas program. By the way, the children's Christmas program, two weeks away from today, just so you know. Uh, so if you're not in the Christmas mood, we're going to get you in there real quick. So two weeks from today is the children's Christmas program. Please invite a neighbor or a friend uh, to come to that. But we're going to be focusing on the local church, and one of my desires as we focus on this is for you to understand that, and don't rush past this, some of you might say, hmm, not sure about that. Being part of a local church is the greatest privilege to you this side of heaven. I would think that as we go through this, and I would pray that you would have the attitude that being part of a local assembly, a local church, is your greatest privilege on this side of heaven. I'm thankful that Barry mentioned really the takeaway from last week's message. And the second half of that was that you are throughout your life growing in your affection for a local group of believers. That was uh, the takeaway from last week. Here is, um, in a nutshell, what I want you to gain from this week. Really two ideas. If you're taking notes, you can take these down in two thoughts. I want for you to understand that there is a wide variety of people that make up a typical church family. So first of all, there's a wide variety of people that make up a typical church family. And then after that, I want you to prepare yourself to do whatever it takes to become folded in to a local church family. There is going to be a point where people are on the fringe, and I understand that. And that's acceptable. But my, my, my desire for everyone that would come to here for a while is that they would prepare themselves for the process of being folded into that church family. Would you like to see what God's word has to say about this? I think we're gonna find a great picture that helps us with this. If you're not already there, turn to Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two in your Bibles. If you, do not, if you do not have a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And if you do not own a Bible, um, that Bible is our gift to you. Please take that 
And uh, we want everyone to have a Bible. And so if you do not have one at all, please take that uh, as a gift from us to you. Um, If you want a nicer Bible than that, Lost and Found is over here in the foyer. Maybe you'll find one there. That's a little bit better. Uh, Those are great Bibles, though. And uh, please help yourself. Ephesians chapter 2. And I want to start reading in verse number 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We're going to see today the picture of the church illustrated by a building. We just read the words, you are being built. A wonderful verse that gives us commentary on this is 1 Peter 2.5 where it says you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house. Just two points in the message today. Point number one, the church is being built in a wide, with a wide variety of living stones. The church that you and I are a part of is being built with a wide variety of living stones. 1 Peter 2.5 mentions that. You are likened to a living stone being built up in a spiritual house. Now, we need to understand that when we look at a living stone, what we're in today is different than in Paul's day. Some of you have been contractors or you've done some work on your um, house or maybe a building, maybe here on this building. And when you think of building something and you think of bricks, we think of building blocks that are all the same size, all the same shape, all the same color. But when this was written, and even when Jesus Christ referenced the church, he wasn't thinking of stones that were all the exact same size and shape. He was thinking of stones, stones of all different colors and shapes that would be worked together. And something that we have different today as we go and build something is we have something we put between those bricks or those stones that's called mortar. There was no mortar when this was written. When they were thinking of something that was a structure that was built, they were thinking of different stones that were put together that were different that had been used by the master builder to create something incredible. So there are no bricks here. These are stones that um, we're talking about when we look at this building of the church. And let me go ahead and give an illustration here because we don't find these in America, but if you travel to Europe and a few other places, you will find miles and miles and miles of what are called dry stone walls. Dry stone walls, or as they call them in Scotland, dry stain dyke. This is a wall that is built without any mortar. Now, most of these walls were built to separate um, lands or else to pen in animals. That would be the goal. And for some of these walls, they've been standing since the 17th century. It's amazing. These that are built with no mortar at all in them. They are simply stones that with the skill, don't, don't miss the connection, different size stones that with the skill of the master builder have been joined together 
But there is a key to building one of these walls. And that key is you cannot build it with all stones that are the exact same size. You cannot successfully build a, str- a dry stone structure or building with everything that is the same size. It would be impossible to build it in that way. You see, the strength of the wall depends on the uniqueness and the variety of each individual stone. When the Apostle Paul writes and he says that you are stones being built into this structure together, the idea is that we are all unique. We have different strengths. We have a variety of weaknesses. This is what we have when we come together. And I would suggest to us today that if someone were to come to Calvary and they were to walk in and they would say, you know, I'm just not sure that there's anybody in this place like me. I don't know if there's anybody that's really like me in this place. I would respond to them with this understanding of Ephesians chapter 2 and I would say, that is exactly why we need you here at Calvary. I know that stretches us. That will pull you out of your comfort zone. And it doesn't mean that we just get, you know, a few different types of people and some sit in this section and some sit in this section, some sit in that section, some sit over, you know, wherever it might be. That's not the idea. A variety of shapes and sizes that God wants to use because it takes all kinds of shapes and colors of living stones to build a strong building. Now, I mentioned earlier that someone um, recently gave some kind words about our church as they were going looking for another church. And it happens every now and then that someone will come and pay me a compliment in regards to Calvary Bible Church. It happens every once in a while. Well, they'll say, wow, what's going on there at Calvary really seems wonderful. Wow, you guys are really doing great. And sometimes they'll point at me and say, wow, you've really done something over there. And let me tell you where my mind goes almost without fail when someone says something to that effect. My mind immediately goes to a mental list of people among our church fellowship that are gifted in unique ways. Individuals that have decided to invest themselves in this church fellowship. And right away, that's where my mind goes. And I will work hard on a sermon I will do my best to love the brothers and sisters here at Calvary, but there is no doubt in my mind that what God is doing and what God is blessing is the number of individuals who have chosen to use their gifts. And if I can go ahead and jump ahead a little bit to the takeaway, they've chosen to work along with the sharp edges of others in a way for something that will last for eternity. It is a regular practice of mine that before I come in on a Sunday, I will praise God for certain folks. And sometimes I think of where I'll see them. So for some of you, I might see you in your location where you generally sit. For some, it might be in the hallway. For some, it might be um, at the um, entrance when we come in. And I commonly will thank God for people that are serving here. I sat down several weeks ago. I was celebrating Thanksgiving a little bit early. And I started praising God for certain individuals that have chosen to invest themselves in the church family. And as I start to go over names that I was praising God for, 
It was not too long before I had over 80 individuals that I had thanked God for of this local church family. It was a very eclectic group. It was folks that might not want to go on vacation with one another. All kinds of gifts, all kinds of strengths, and a variety of weaknesses. And yet they have got the confidence in God's plan of his church that they can work through that and even be a part of helping rub off those edges that need to be rubbed off, off of themselves and off of others. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. You see, a major source of our strength in what God is doing here at Calvary is found in our diversity. Jesus Christ is the master builder. And yes, we do have to have certain objectives that we agree on, certain beliefs that are non-negotiable. But so much of the blessings that we experience is a result of our unique collection of saints. And so get this picture. If someone would say, I just don't think there are others like me here, I would say that is precisely why we need you in this place, to be a stone that's added in to that structure of what God is doing. And then point number two. Point number two is the church is a work in progress. The church that we are a part of is a work in progress. I want to read verses 21 and 22 again, please. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Notice the tense of those words there, being joined together, are being built. And so what we learn about the church today is that there is a wide variety of brothers and sisters that will make up a local assembly and also that the church is a work in progress. We're a work in progress. And just like with my home, it was not completed until right before they put a for sale sign in the yard. We here are a work in progress. And so with that said, and here's where the rubber meets the road for so many. When we come into a church, we should not be surprised that the church looks more like a construction site than like a polished showroom. It's not going to look exactly, maybe, like it does in your head. Or even like it did when you grew up. It might not look in a certain way. There's something unfinished or that needs to be done. It doesn't look as much like a showroom as it does a building site. The church is made up of sinners who are in the process of being renewed. And what I, when I say that, what I mean is, is that none of us is all that we should be, not a one of us. We are all works in progress. Maybe this will help you understand it. In the day we live in, this is a rarity. It is hard enough for two sinners to have success in a marriage, in a household. Two sinners trying to make that work. That's hard enough. And if that's hard, how much harder is it for 200 or 2,000 sinners to make up something that works? To make up something 
that individuals will see it and say there's something about that that reflects the Lord Jesus Christ. To dwell above with saints we love, oh, that will be glory. To dwell below with saints we know, that's quite a different story, isn't it? We understand that. When we see him, we will be like him, but until then, we are a building under construction. Let's think of it this way. Let's imagine you wanted to have some work done at your house. Let's say you um, had a project you wanted done, you were going to hire a builder, and so you told your spouse, okay, let's go away for a portion at the beginning here. Let's go off and use some vacation time and let the builder come and do the work so we can be gone for the worst of it. And you step away for four days, maybe six days, and you come back. And as you come in the house, you go and look, and everything looks exactly like it did before you left. What conclusion would you come to? That nothing had been done, right? Nothing has been done. But if you come back and you go in the home and you find that there are drop cloths covering the furniture, you find dust on the floor, maybe a stack of materials over in the corner, and it looks like chaos, what would your conclusion be? Something is being done. We're working towards the goal. And sometimes, in a church family, it can look chaotic. It can. Sometimes other people will think it looks chaotic when you think it looks perfectly normal. That just goes to the variety of people that we have doing this work together. When we look at, what the work, at the work that the master builder is doing, he is at work, sometimes it does not look like we want it to. And the evidence, and here's what we should be looking for, the evidence that Jesus Christ is working in a church is present when you are observing. So I mentioned before, maybe you're observing for two or three weeks. Maybe you're observing for two or three decades. The evidence that Jesus Christ is present is not that everything is complete, but it's that everything is in process. Are we moving the right direction? Are we doing what God wants us to do? And are we being built, an action verb there? And if you do not grasp this idea, you're going to spend a lot of time looking for a perfect church. You're going to go from one to another and try to find the perfect church. And one of two things typically happen. Either you'll just settle, well, I guess we're going to have to settle for this one. I guess this is the best we can do. Or else you'll end up in isolation. You'll end up in a situation where you can't find any place, and so it will just be you, which is not God's plan for your life. And so when we understand that we are a living stone in the continual building of Jesus' church, then, and this is, well, this is hard. Are you ready for this? If you're taking notes, you can write it down, or maybe it'll sink in better if you don't. When we understand that we are a wide variety of people, and we are being built together in this working church, then when you come across somebody who is different than you, you will not regret the fact that they are going to be here at your church on this day. You will love that fact. Even if you don't like the way their personality is or something that they do, you will not say, I wish they were not part of our fellowship. We need to understand that this, 
It just hit me this morning. This entire message is just underlined with the need for humility. There is so much humility that is needed for us to be a part of this in a local assembly. We look at the Apostle Paul's teaching where he talks to a local church and he lists this laundry list of sins. People that stole and murderers and adulterers and and, uh, fornicators, all, all this list of people. And what's Paul getting at as he writes this laundry list? And then Paul says, of which were what? Some of you. Boom! There's the mic drop for the Apostle Paul right there. Of which were some of you. And can I suggest to you, for this to work, you have to practice humility. Understanding that the one that's down the pew or in a different room, that's different than you. God has something incredible for them. Just like God has something incredible for you. And if you will have love and patience, you can, do God, you can watch God do something beautiful. I experienced this myself in the past year where I was having feelings of pride. I'm a bit better than someone else. And I can remember the moment where I was when God broke my heart and I wept and had to just say, I am no better than anyone, any man, any woman. I'm only a sinner saved by grace and thank you for making me a part of this assembly. What can I do to help fold that person in to be part of this assembly? Humility is underlining in this entire message. And so I would ask the question today, how smooth are you? I thought that had a ring to it. How smooth are you? Are you smooth? Are you helping make somebody else smooth? You see, when we encounter the rough edges of others and we write them off, as of no use to what I think I want my church to be, that's where we fail. And let me give the converse of that. When you, with your rough edges, refuse to work with others who just might rub up against them, who just might stretch you, others who might tend to knock the edges off of you, and you refuse to work with others, that's where you are failing to have what God wants you to have. And some of you will connect this. If, if you have had the experience of a brother or sister in Christ being patient with you when your sin was exposed or when your faithfulness waned, And if you've had a brother or sister in Christ be patient with you and love on you and not give up on you, then you'll understand this. I've had that. I've had a brother in Christ that I know I disappointed and he did not give up on me. And if you have experienced someone not giving up on you, then you have experienced the love that God wants his children to have one for another. The Bible tells us that people outside of our church will know that we are followers of Jesus Christ by our love one for another. It's a piece of cake for me to love somebody who likes what I like and does what I do. It's easy. 
The command is for us to love all the brothers and sisters that God would bring in and to be stretched in that way. And I hope that you have experienced that. I hope, here's what I hope. I hope that you'll be a sermon illustration someday on on the positive side, by the way. I hope that someday somebody remembers you being patient and loving with them when they revealed their rough edges. And they say, that one there, they reflected Jesus Christ as well as I've ever seen anybody reflect him. So what can we do with this? Here's a couple things that you can do. Number one, set your expectations for the church very wisely. Set your expectations for the church very wisely. A Christian's search for the perfect church will only land them in a place of isolation. Everybody here has heard the expression, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it, right? Everybody's heard that. I would add to that, and I would say, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because it won't do anything for you. You won't rub any rough edges off of anybody. They won't rub anything off of you if it's exactly what you think. Here's what I thought of this morning. If I could take the best Christian that I know, best one of you, and I'm not going to name names, all right? I don't, all right? The best Christian, Joe Christian or Jane Christian, take them, clone them by 200, put a church in this place. You've got 200 of this perfect Christian right there. I don't think it would be nearly as effective as the people that have the sin problem and the people that have to forgive again and again and the people that have invest, been invested in by someone else. A Christian search for a perfect church will only lead them to a place of isolation or not becoming invested. And then number two, I wanna challenge you to be part of the smoothing out process. Be a part of the smoothing out process. And I word it that way for a specific reason because I want to challenge you, whatever stage you're at in getting connected to a local church, I want to challenge you to invest yourself in a ministry where you are being stretched. If you get asked to serve in a ministry, don't come at it like, well, about time I'm going to set those folks straight over there on that committee. Don't approach it that way. Approach it with that underlying theme that I said we have to remember when we look at this passage. It's a spirit of humility. Jesus Christ came to serve. We are to serve one another. And then the second part of that is encourage someone else. Encourage another to move towards what the master builder wants to create in them. Help somebody else become smooth. Now, I don't want you carrying chisels around with you, okay? I don't want you walking in saying, I saw this guy, he's got a problem, and I know what job God wants me to do. I got my hammer and my chisel right here. They'll never listen to you. You have to show them that you love them before you can start to soften those rough edges. And it takes humility. And it takes understanding how much Jesus Christ loved you because as great as some of you are, You're just a sinner saved by grace, just like the one that might have come into your mind. Would you be a part of this? Would you celebrate the wonderful, wonderful privilege that it is to be a part of one of God's local assemblies? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is your plan. And it grieves me when I talk to folks who have given up on the church. I understand it. We referenced that last week, people that have been burned, people that have had their expectations crushed, 
folks that have had ones that were supposed to be the spiritual giants or leaders act in a completely ungodly way. But God, would we not give up on your plan? Would we see what you have done in giving us the church and have confidence in it? And God, would some take that horrific step of faith in making themselves vulnerable to others? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around, maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you don't know what this is, this brothers and sisters in Christ in the church family. You are not a part of the family of God because you're part of the church. You're a part of the church because you become a child of God. You can accept Christ as your Savior today and start to follow him. I'm gonna ask Anna to play through just a song on the piano. Maybe you're here today and you wanna pray. God has done something in your heart. You wanna take time just to talk to him. Take this moment to do that.